So quick, we're going we're gonna to hit the scripture. It's a very short piece of scripture. It's Matthew 20, verse 26. It will not be so among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you, you must be a servant. Yeah, and it's not even a complete sentence, but it describes John Wesley. And we're going to spend the next six, seven weeks talking about the Wesleyan way, which sounds really weird when we're Methodist, but we're going to talk about John Wesley, his teachings, what it means, and, and truly what it means to be Methodist. And I'll admit this has been brewing quite a while with me, this sermon series has, because of all of the things that have been going on with the church, uh, with General Conference, when we looked for a way forward, and all of these things that have been happening, and there's no answers, and it has taken our focus off of Jesus so much that I think we've kinda, we're kind of losing our way at times of who we are, what we're trying to accomplish, and why, of making disciples for Jesus Christ, for the transformation of the world. And I think it's time that we dive into our roots and figure out who we are and why we're that way and not get lost in all of the things of this world. And I'll admit, I, I truly and deeply love the Methodist Church. I, I grew up in the Methodist Church. I grew up in a, a church. I became Methodist at age 14 when I was confirmed. And yes, I, that was the church the family went to, but we went there because my brothers liked youth group so much that my parents started attending that church. And I remember very well, I grew to love the church because everybody fit in. Um, they're just, it was this welcoming, happy, giant family. And I, I appreciated the grace that came with it and everything that happened. And is Methodist perfect? No, it's not. We have our flaws, but it's, the solid church, church built on the teachings and how the scriptures work and the way John Wesley taught us to, to read them and, and listen to them. And I remember vividly being completely bored during confirmation as we went through the Wesleyan quadrilateral. And I'm not going to give you a lesson on that because I struggled staying awake when it happened to me. But I also remember getting through it all, and when we got through these teachings, Pastor Gordon Higgins sat me down in his office and said, this is how we read Scripture. This is what we use to read Scripture. This is what we use to interpret Scripture. This is how we do it. This is what it's meant for. And at that moment, things started to change on how I looked at things and why with the effect of what Pastor Gordon Higgins talked to me about. And I think it's time we dig into these teachings and really get grounded, and we're going to ask some really hard questions about it. What is sanctif sanctification? If somebody asks you right now, what's sanctification, you answer. And what does it mean to be sanctified? Do you even know? And that's a huge part of the teachings of John Wesley. What is salvation? Do you know what salvation truly means? Are you saved? Do you know what it means to be saved? Does it drive you crazy when you hear the term born again? Am I a real Christian? I'm going to warn you, 
When we get into the am I a real Christian part, John Wesley is exceptionally blunt and it's going to be a struggle to get through it. Because he really hits you hard on am I a real Christian or am I not. It's a tough sermon. I'm just going to warn you. That one you better buckle in a little bit. Am I a sinner? We all answer that one, yes, but what does it truly mean to be a sinner and what good do we find in that and why? Is my mic cutting out? Do I need batteries? I keep hearing myself cut out. But the sin part, what does it mean? How do we get through it? How do we look at it? How do we do it? How do we connect with God? Do people understand what it means to really connect with God? We just got done with the fundamentals of discipleship. Do you know what it means to connect with God? And why is it so hard to be a Christian? If you truly follow Jesus' way, why is it so challenging in today's world to be that way? Why is it? These are very real questions in our lives and things we should ask ourselves. And I think a lot of us probably can't answer them the way we should. And I think a lot of that is the church's fault, that we've kind of lost our way in, in what we were teaching and how we were teaching and why we were teaching. And is it every time I turn left? I'll quit moving. I'll just stand here. That is very unlike me. But here's the deal. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We have these great examples of great disciples to help guide us. Of course, everyone goes to Peter right away. He is a great role model. But John Wesley was a great, a phenomenal disciple. Not kind of. A great, great disciple. Oswald Chambers, if you want to dig in and you want to realize what Christianity is real about, read his book. The utmost, what's it called? The utmost for his highest. Because he'll make you, whoo, he's good stuff. But, and he'll pound you with it. In today's world, we have these examples of Francis Chan and Jacob Armstrong and, and Mike Slaughter and Max Lucado. <laughs> it's every time I turn left, isn't it? We need to rely on the work these other people have done in the past to help us get through this stuff and help us understand it. We're not meant to do this alone. You've heard me say that so many times. But we're going to get deep into the roots with John Wesley through this sermon series. The Methodist Church was founded on the methods of Scripture interpretations by John Wesley. His brother Charles had this immense way of putting it to music. If you look in the hymnal, like every other song, is Charles Wesley. They were good-looking fellas, too. You can see them up there. But John Wesley was a disciple, plain and simple. He wanted nothing more than to connect people with Jesus and to use the Bible to do it. That was his plan. That was his goal. That's what he was trying to accomplish. And it, if you want reading to put you to sleep, 
I have John Wesley's sermons. They're really long. One of them's 35 pages. Have you read them all, Roger? Not all of them. I've read this whole book because of licensing school. But you can see throughout the book I have tabbed those things that hit me. And the part that people forget about is that John Wesley, his foundation was something called band meetings. This church was built on band meetings, meaning that there was a group of three people who would get together every week, and those three people would confess their sins to each other. And as the person confesses his sins, the other two would surround them, lay a hand on the shoulder and pray for them and remind them they're forgiven. And they do this every week. And it's hard. I'm in a band. And it's hard to meet with people and say, here's my flaws. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I'm falling short. But I'm really going to work at trying to get some band groups going in this church. You want to build trust. You want to understand what it means to be part of a small group. You have a band. Dan will play guitar for you. You have a band and you get together and you meet and you support each other through this life that we call a Christian journey. We're not meant to do it alone. And he even did class meetings where it was a little larger groups. But the whole church was built upon these idea of this small group of accountability and how to do things. And I, I think we lose our way in a lot of things because the world consumes us anymore. I mean, this world is all-consuming. There's no doubt. We spent two weeks in the hills, and we literally spent an immense amount of time taking pictures of wildflowers, bugs, rocks, and fish. Because we don't spend enough time looking at the creations that God gave us. We get so caught up in this world that you don't notice when you come around a corner, there's this patch that has 500 uh, tiger swallowtail butterflies in it that are bright yellow and black. And stop and take in that beauty and the relaxation that brings to you. Or seeing like my favorite wildflower, it's called prairie smoke. It's, there, were more, there was more of it than I've ever seen in my life out in the Black Hills. To take it in. We get so caught up in this world, we don't take that stuff in. But we have to make sure we stay founded and grounded. And the interesting part, John Wesley spent all of his time on the two greatest commandments, which are, Judd, love God, love neighbor. You see that all over this church now. It's our mission statement. There's a reason it's our mission statement. It's what we're founded on. It's what we're built on. It's what our beliefs were built on. Wesley had the belief and backed it up with Scripture that if we loved God, if we truly loved God, if we truly loved neighbor, we'd be meeting all of the regulations or meeting the needs of the old laws, and we'd be meeting all of the things of Jesus' teaching in the New Testament. 
if we truly love God and we truly love neighbor? We'll meet them all. We don't have to worry about it. If you truly act that way, you're covered. You're taking care of it. But then there's another piece to it. And that's the three simple rules. My mom just talked about this. I think Barry Whipke just preached the three simple rules last Sunday, his last Sunday at Madison. The three simple rules. And, and that's do good, do no harm, and stay in love with God. And here's the frustrating part of what has led to a lot of these things that we're going to be preaching is that as I stood in and watched special conference, as I stood in Kansas City and listened to everything, and even at annual conference, I heard comments that were not doing good, that were doing harm, and that had no, nothing to do with staying in love with God. And I struggle with that. Bad. And I think the concept of do good, do no harm, stay in love with God is something that you need to have in the back of your mind all the time, that when you are working with somebody, reacting to something, making a comment back, before you fire out, think, is this going to do good or is it going to do harm? Is what I'm doing going to help people stay in love with God and help me stay in love with God or is it not? And your responses change immensely when you think that way. Not a little bit, immensely. Because you will realize how many of the things you do or say that actually do harm. Might not mean them, but they do harm. They aren't doing good, and they're not helping anybody stay in love with God. And that's what we're supposed to do. It just totally changes how you do it. If, uh, I read this great statement if you do good, do no harm, and stay in love with God, you are following the two greatest commandments of God. Love God, love neighbor. If you follow those three simple rules. We as a church, we give the book, Three Simple Rules, all of our new members. All our new members get that book. It's little, it's small, it's a great read. But I want you to know that as we move forward, with this sermon series of the Wesleyan Way, to keep that in the back of your mind of all time. Do good, do no harm, stay in love with God. Really get that concept in, because we're going to dive deep into John Wesley. We're going to go through those six questions in a deep way that are going to challenge all of us in very positive fashions. We're going to get into things that are uncomfortable. When we get into the almost Christian, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable, period. It's, it's not going to be the fluffy, I feel good stuff. It's so fluffy. We're not going to get into that. By definition, by Charles Wesley's definition, or John Wesley's definition, an almost Christian, they've been baptized, they go to church regularly, they partake of Holy Communion, and they generally try to do the thing that God wants him or her to do. And if you're like me, you think, well, man, isn't that good enough? I'm trying. And John Wesley, well, it's not good enough. And that sermon series gets really hard. 
but it also shows where the church is broken today because all of us, so many of us say, uh, it's good enough. So many of us settle for, that's as good as it's going to get. So many of us sit back and say, well, I'm just going to deal with it. That's why we see this disparity of beliefs today. That's why we see this fraction that's happening. Because so many of us are almost Christians. We're terrified to take that last step to let it completely transform our lives. To change who we are, what we do, how we do it. We're terrified to change and do it different. Because change is a tough word. It's hard, it's scary, it's mean. But terrified to take that last step to transform. We went through the rebel Jesus, and the fundamentals of discipleship for a reason. Because as we were going through all of these things of the general church, I realized the devil's work is to take our focus off of Jesus, and he's accomplishing it exceptionally well right now. And we have to go back and focus on who we're supposed to be with the rebel Jesus. We're supposed to understand what the fundamentals of discipleship were. Is, and we better know our foundation of how we're built as Methodists and what it means and who we are and why we do it. We have to. We can't just keep on doing what we've been doing because it's good enough. That's not John Wesley. That's not Methodist. And I'm just saying buckle in a little bit as we get into this, because John Wesley wasn't scared to be blunt. I love the fact that there were places he was banned from preaching at because they didn't like what he said. Can't be here. Don't like it. And we all struggle at times when we're at church and things hit us that don't make us feel good. We all want to feel good. And at times, the truth is tough, and tough love is hard to hear. It just is, and John Wesley wasn't scared of it. There's a whole book full of them right there. I mean, there's times I was reading it going, whoo, how did you? Wasn't scared to say that. I would have been. But for this week, as we get set for this, here's the challenge. I really want you to think this week, all week long in the back of your mind, do good, do no harm, stay in love with God. And everything that you do, dealing with your wife, dealing with your children, dealing with people at work, dealing with people at the grocery store, dealing with the person who cuts you off at the gas pump yesterday, that happened to me. Motorcycle snuck right in there. I didn't say a word, Just smiled. It's 105 degrees. Do good, do no harm, stay in love with God. I just want you to really think about that this week as you do things, as we get set to move forward, to dig into what it means to be Methodist and who we are. That we need that in the back of our mind all the time. Amen?